0: Hey folks, Andy Patton here. Unfortunately, Gonzaga's 2021-2022 season came to a close on Thursday against the Razorbacks of Arkansas. Here to break down the game and talk a little bit about this upcoming offseason, all right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here now, unfortunately, to take you through another offseason for the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Uh, Thank you Seriously, to all of you who have made this podcast your first listen of the day, it's been an incredible season. It is very unfortunate that it has come to an end in the Elite Eight for the Zags, before the Elite Eight for the Zags, unfortunately, after losing to Arkansas on Thursday afternoon. We're going to talk about that game here in the first couple of segments, third segment coming along. We're going to kind of talk a little bit about the future of the podcast. I'm not going anywhere. I want to make that very clear right off the bat, uh, but just kind of talk about what's coming for the next few weeks uh, as people Kind of transition out of the basketball season. The story of the game on Thursday—it's a, a sentiment that I've said so many times on this show that many other people have said when talking about this team. As Andrew Nembhard goes, so too go the Zags. And this team got so much attention for Chet Holmgren, of course, the number one overall recruit in his class, potential top pick in the NBA draft, a budding superstar potentially in the NBA, uh, a dynamic player that was so fun to watch. And it's so sad, like it was last year when Jalen Suggs left. It is so sad to see him depart the way that he did in this game, unfortunately. But the attention may have gone to Shad Holmgren. Of course, a lot of attention went to Drew Timmy as well, a National Player of the Year candidate, uh, one of the most hated players in college basketball uh, because of his antics, which is always fun to have the guy that everybody hates on your team. But this team was was run by Andrew Nempard. I believe Mark Few called him the captain of the ship, and that is very accurate. And you look at Gonzaga's Bad games this year, not even just games that they lost, although you look at those as well, but even games that they won where they didn't play well. We remember the Tarleton State game. remember the Merrimack game. Uh, there were some conference games that got a little tenuous as well against San Francisco and St. Mary's, and of course, lost to St. Mary's as well. One of the biggest keys, one of the biggest things that lines up are poor games from Andrew Nembhard. And it's not that I want to blame him, but he's it, it, it emphasizes how critical he was to this team. I think that's the biggest takeaway, is that Andrew Nembhard was crucial. And it's not that we didn't know that. I think that most Gonzaga fans were pretty well aware of the impact Andrew Nembhard had on his team. You don't have to look any farther than the Memphis game, where the Zags were down 10 at halftime. Things looked pretty bleak in that game. And yes, Drew Timmy scored 11 points in the first four minutes of the second half. And yes, you can say pretty directly that that is what led to the Gonzaga coming back and winning that game. But Andrew Nembhard was the catalyst for that comeback. He pushed the pace. He continued to get up the floor. He wore Memphis out. He did it without turning the basketball over. He had an incredible performance in that game. Some of Gonzaga's best games this season, UCLA, Andrew Nembhard had a one of the best games of his career against UCLA. He had a big impact when Gonzaga needed him to. And when he did not have a good game, and it happens, players have bad games, Andrew Nembhard took a lot of really good shots, In this game, he was utilizing the high pick and roll that they've utilized all season long. He was getting good looks in the mid-range, little floaters from the free throw line, a shot that Andrew Nempard makes with incredible consistency most of the time. And he just did not have it on Thursday. He went two for 11 from the field, one for three from deep. The three-pointer that he made was that, (laughs) that ridiculous falling off one foot, trying to draw a foul three in the final 30 seconds of the game. Kudos for knocking that shot down. It gave the Zags a glimmer of hope. But that was it. For Andrew Nembhard. He made that shot. He knocked down a pair of free throws at the end of the game. That got him to seven points. His first two points came 50 seconds into the game. For the other 39 minutes of that game, he didn't score. And that was critical for the Zags. He had five turnovers. That's very uncharacteristic for Andrew Nempart. Extremely uncharacteristic. He went weeks in the WCC season. He went weeks in the non-conference without turning the ball over five times. It was just a bad night from a very good point guard. I tweeted before the game or right at the start of the game when he had his first bucket that he was the best point guard in the country. It's a tweet that didn't age particularly well as his game continued to struggle, but I stand by it. Colin Gillespie, fantastic player at Villanova, still in the NCAA tournament, the best point guard remaining at this point without a doubt. But I think Andrew Nembhard is still the best point guard in the country and the Proof is in the pudding. <laughs> the proof is in the fact that when he does not play well, the Zags do not win. It's unfortunate that that amount of pressure was on a point guard like Andrew Nembhard. He could handle it until he couldn't in this game, unfortunately. There's more to the story than just Andrew Nembhard. Chet Holmgren played almost certainly his final game in a Gonzaga uniform and in a collegiate uniform. Uh, he did not score in the first half, but he finished with 11 points and 14 rebounds on the game. All 11 points coming pretty early. In the second half, as the Zags started to try to utilize him more, he had two blocks, which doesn't sound like a big total for him, but it was enough for him to break Brandon Clark's record for blocks in a single season at Gonzaga, finished with 118 blocks. Clark finished with 117 blocks in 37 games, mind you, Chet Holmgren, 118 blocks in 32 games, a remarkable record that is likely not going to be touched anytime super soon. Chet fouled out of this game. Uh, that was a big storyline in the contest was whether Chet Holmgren uh, would be able to avoid foul trouble. He was not. Uh, some of them were questionable. I don't think there's any debate about that. They had the the referee expert, Gene S- S- Sadator. I f- apologize. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Uh, he said that some of the fouls on Chet Holmgren were questionable. He said he wouldn't have called some of them. So there's no debate that some of those calls were bad. Uh, I want to be clear. The officiating was not the reason the Zags lost. I also want to be clear, the officiating in this game was bad. It was not a well-officiated game. There was some auto calls. They just called uh, charges, off- offensive charges, when they weren't there. There was an out-of-balance call on the baseline that they blatantly missed. There were some bad calls in this game. There was also some bad calls against uh, Arkansas. It was not a super one-sided officiated game. It was just a poorly officiated game. Quite frankly, a lot of games this season have been poorly officiated. It doesn't mean that they're against Gonzaga or for Gonzaga. The the officiating this season wasn't very good. <laughs> I think that's a reasonable thing to say, and I think college basketball needs to address this. This is probably a larger conversation that will happen during the very long offseason that is coming up for Gonzaga. I'm sure that I will speak to it more. But we have you, you look at even the games that were played on Thursday. Some of them were absolute mugfests. everybody was getting fouled constantly the refs swallowed their whistles just let them play these ugly beaded out games some of them were officiated really tight and there was tons and tons and tons of free throws it's the same sport being played at the same time by similar caliber athletes in the sweet 16 and you have games that look completely different because of the officiating that's not okay Again, I don't think that the referees are necessarily terrible at their jobs. I don't think that's the case at all. I think that the rules are inconsistent, and that NCAA referees are having a hard time figuring out how to implement the rules. There needs to be changes. The block charge call needs to change. It's not. It's not going well. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. It's going poorly. It's losing fans. It needs to change. Again, this is not the reason Gonzaga lost. Most people are saying that. Many people, I I believe, know that. Gonzaga lost because they missed a lot of shots they normally make. They could not shoot from the outside. Andrew Nimhardt had a bad game, and they turned the ball over 15 times. That's why they lost. The officiating didn't help, but it didn't hurt them nearly to the level that I think some people really want to believe. That's just not what happened. They lost. They didn't play well enough to win, and they didn't win. I want to shout out Drew Timmy, potentially his last game in a Gonzaga uniform. That will be a very interesting storyline until we get a resolution from him. 25 points, 7 boards, the most notable stat for Drew Timmy. We're going to end this segment on a positive note. 7 for 8 from the free throw line. I wanted to shout out the big man for this. He was so mad at himself for shooting poorly from the free throw line in the first two games. He was so mad. And while he's probably not happy today because his season is over, he went 7 for 8 from the free throw line. I think he deserves some love for that because he he stepped up and knocked him down when the Zags needed him to. All right, we're going to come back in the second segment. We're going to go through the five things to watch from yesterday's game. I laid them out before the game. I want to go through them. It's going to be a little painful to, to recap more of this game in the second segment, but then we'll be done. We'll move on. We'll kind of transition into off-season mode, and I'll talk to you all about what that looks like in the third segment. Before we get there, though, let's talk about Built Bar. This is the time of the year that I've pretty much given up on all of my New Year's resolutions. But not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best-tasting bars. Puffs are the first-ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they're not just a protein bar, they're a treat. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate. In fact, all bill Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, puffs included. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Most bill Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. They have mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They are all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. Go to Bilt.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com All right, segment two, still Andy Patton, still locked on Zags. Still to the chagrin of many, talking about the Gonzaga-Arkansas game on Thursday, which ended the Zags' season. The Hogs advanced the Elite Eight for the second time in a row. I Shout out to Arkansas, by the way. Uh, I don't think they played a particularly great game, I'll be completely honest, but they won. They did enough to win. They hit big shots down the stretch. They took their punches from Gonzaga and the pace. They got themselves worn out, and they still found a way to win. Tremendous shout out to them. Uh, Eric Musselman, love him or hate him. I know a lot of people are not a big fan of his. Uh, He coached a great game, and they won the game, and they're moving on to the Elite Eight. Maybe they'll get a chance, or they will get a chance to beat Duke. Maybe they'll get a chance to end Coach Krzyzewski's run and go to the Final Four. Uh, That should be a super interesting matchup on Saturday. Moving on, the five things to watch. These are the things that I laid out as keys for this game and kind of inform what happened to the Zags on Thursday. Number one, set the pace. So we talked about this before the game. Arkansas likes to run, but they have actually had worse results in games where they have tried to push the pace. We thought that that would be a big point in this game because Gonzaga was almost certainly going to run and run and run. And they tried. And frankly, they just failed. They just failed at it. (laughs) Some of it was Arkansas. Arkansas did a very good job of getting back on defense, eliminating Gonzaga's ability to get out in transition, forcing them to beat them with a half-court offense. Again, shout out to Coach Muss and Arkansas for getting the ability to do that. But also, Gonzaga's intended result was to get Arkansas gassed. And it worked. Arkansas was dead tired. They were exhausted. We saw them having to take timeouts because of fatigue. That was a, the thing that Gonzaga did to Memphis, and it worked. It just didn't work here. Part of it, not making easy shots. Again, Gonzaga struggled to get out in transition, but they had opportunities to score and just missed a lot of them. They had transition threes that didn't go down. They had some transition opportunities where they could have made an extra pass and got an easier shot, and they didn't take it. They had some opportunities where they did get good looks around the rim and just didn't make them. And then they had a lot of opportunities where they turned the ball over. That's what happened here. Again, the Zags are so reliant on Andrew Nempard when they're trying to push the pace. This is where he thrives. He is an excellent Get the rebound, get down the court, find an open man. Look up, look up the floor. He's really, really good at that. And when he has an off night, it's really hard for the Zags to push the pace. And that's what happened here. Number two, protect the rim and avoid foul trouble. Yeah, this was a huge story, unfortunately for the Zags. Jalen Williams, the big man for Arkansas, played a great game. He I, Mark Few call apparently called him a, I believe, a flop master. I don't remember the exact phrase. Uh, I'm curious what the context was there because I'm guessing he didn't mean it to sound quite as uh, mean <laughs> as it sounded. Uh, I think he was probably just complimenting Williams' ability to to get in position and take those charges, which he is very good at. I think Williams also got the benefit of a few calls. But again, not the reason the Zags lost in that situation. Uh, Chet played 23 minutes. He picked up five fouls in 23 minutes. Not all his fouls were protecting the rim. In fact, very few of his fouls were protecting the rim. He committed an offensive foul. Uh, he committed over the back foul. He did not commit too many of his fouls around the rim. Some of the ones around the rim were the ones that were a little bit questionable because it looks like his hands were straight up. But if he didn't commit the other fouls, if he didn't commit the offensive rebound or the offensive charge, if he didn't commit the over the back foul, this might have been a, a different game. Those are fouls that Chet Holmgren is smart enough to not commit, and he committed them in this game, and that hurts. That that hurt them a lot. Him not being on the floor for the last eight eight minutes, I believe, of the first half. The auto bench when he picked up his second foul. That was crucial. I think that was a coaching mistake. I haven't criticized Mark Few very much on this podcast, uh, but he's not immune to criticism, certainly. And I think there were some coaching decisions in this game that that were questionable that he may take back. Uh, I don't think benching Chet Holmgren for the entirety of the first half after he picked up his second foul was a good idea. The Zags were unable to get any momentum without him on the court. Yes, him picking up a third foul in the first half would have been bad, but I think that's a risk you had to take, and they they chose not to do it. Uh, In terms of the actual foul situation, we thought this would be a huge part of this game for Arkansas because they're so good at at getting to the free throw line and converting from there. They went 9 for 14. It just wasn't, wasn't a factor. The Zags went 15 for 20. The Zags made more free throws than Arkansas took. If you told me that stat before the game, I'd be pretty dang surprised that they didn't win. i got to be honest. I don't think I thought that would be the case here. Uh, Winning the rebounding battle, the Zags won it. Now it's 45 to 42, so it was not... A defining victory. It wasn't a huge win. The fact that there was that many rebounds is a pretty big testament to what happened in this game. A lot of missed shots on both sides. Lots and lots and lots of missed shots on both sides. That's what that's what cost Gonzaga this game. There's more to it. We talked about some of the rest of it with the pace and with Andrew Neparda or whatever. But ultimately the Zags missed a bunch of shots. They missed a bunch of shots. They got a lot of rebounds. Arkansas got a lot of rebounds. Arkansas just converted more of those into points. Last one, or fourth one, excuse me, make your free throws. Again, a non-issue. The Zags went 15 for 20 from the free throw line. That's not that bad. That's pretty good. Drew Timmy 7 for 8 from the free throw line. He did his part. He missed some bunnies around the rim. That happens. 9 for 19. Not a particularly efficient game for Drew Timmy. He still finished with 25 points. Hard to hate that. You know, he he did his part seven freight from the line like we said. Zags more free throws made, 15 than Arkansas took, 14. Should have led to a victory. It it was a a big sticking point coming into this game and the Zags did their part, but they just they didn't make enough shots. And finally the last one get going from the outside. Didn't happen. Zach shot 5 for 21 from 3. I don't want to get all the way into the three-point shooting conversation. But it was a talking point throughout the entirety of the year. I went on record on this show multiple times. It's a five-day week podcast, so there's a lot of things to talk about a lot of times. And I went on this podcast and said that the Zags are a bad three-point shooting team. I ended up walking that back a little bit as we got into conference play and kind of said that they were not less bad and more inconsistent. And I'm going to stand by that. They had some very, very good three-point shooting performances this year. Texas Tech was a marvel. They hit 18 threes against the University of Portland, Coach Chante Leggins, when he was on the show, talked about how their strategy was to force Gonzaga to beat him from the outside, and they just straight-up did it. They had the ability to do it all year long. Guys like Julian Strother, Rasir Bolton, Andrew Nempard could really knock him down, obviously Chet Holmgren. And it just did not—it didn't happen the entire NCAA tournament. The outside shooting just was not there in the tournament. Five for 21 against a, a, a good defensive Arkansas team. Again, they deserve some of the credit here. They weren't passive— in this in this three point shooting debacle for the Zags, they had an active role in preventing Gonzaga from shooting well. But at the end of the day, five for twenty one is not going to get it done. It's not going to get it done. Bolton was two for seven. Strother finally hit one, but he was one for five. Holmgren one for three. Nolan Hickman came off the bench, took two of them, didn't didn't hit one. You just you need shooters. You know the, we'll, we'll talk about the off a lot over the next couple of months. But at the end of the day, that's going to be a big factor. We'll see what happens with some of these guys. Some of these guys may choose to come back. Many of them probably will. Some of them may choose to leave. Uh, and, and once we kind of get a sense of that, we'll definitely have a sense of, of what the transfer portal is going to look like, what the rest of the recruiting class could potentially look like if there's some late additions there. Uh, but, but shooters is going to be a big factor here because the Zags proved uh, you need that. You need some. You know, You know. need a Corey Kispert. You need a Joe Eliyai. Those guys are hard to find. You know, that's why they're in the NBA. It's not easy to find guys like that. But Gonzaga didn't have consistent enough outside shooting. And I, and I don't want to trash you. Rasier Bolton had a f- fantastic season. He was 45% for most of the year. Two for seven in this game. Yeah, that's a bummer. It hurt them. It's not his fault. You know, he, he was one of the best shooters on the team. And the other guys just weren't, you know, Strother had a, a really bad couple of weeks at the end of the year. Maybe he was tired. Maybe there's something else going on. I don't know. But it hurt them. It hurt them that he wasn't shooting well. It hurt them that Holmgren was not making his threes in the last few games. They needed guys to step up and shoot from the perimeter, and they just didn't have them when they needed them. All right, folks, we're going to talk a little bit about the future of the podcast. We're going to talk about the short term, what's going to be coming up now that the season is officially over in the final segment of the show. Before we get there, though, let's talk about our new sponsor, Athletic Greens. Our next partner has a product I use literally every day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted to see what the hype was about. Now I've been on it for 3 weeks and I love it. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy. It kind of has this like mild tropical taste that I actually look forward to every morning. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery focus, and aging. All of the things. There's so much to love about Athletic Greens. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. It supports better sleep quality and recovery. It costs you less than three dollars a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. And Athletic Greens has over 7,000 Five-star reviews and has been recommended by professional athletes. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and you arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com college. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash college to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Today's episode is also brought to you by BetOnline. There might be less football being played, but BetOnline.net has way more stuff to bet on this playoff season. From scores, totals, and player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. And it's not just football. BetOnline.net's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. All right, segment three, Andy Patton still here with you still here at Locked On Zags, and that's kind of what I want to talk to you about in the third segment. First first and foremost, I want to thank all of you. I know I thank you at the beginning of almost every episode, but sincerely, I started this podcast at Locked On Zags. I took over for Stephen Carr. My first episode was October 5th. So about... Three weeks before Gonzaga's exhibition opener, about a month before the season opener, almost exactly a month before that game against Texas when Drew Timmy, Drew Timmy dropped 37, Chet Holmgren's first big game of his collegiate career. It has been an incredible experience to get to do this. It's a lot of work, five, five days a week. It's a lot of podcasts, a lot of content coming your way. Uh, I was very fortunate to start at a time in the year when there was a lot to talk about preseason conversation and then leading of course into the regular season and now here we are at the end of the season I've had so much to talk about and I've had such a good time chatting with all of you and I appreciate every single one of you those of you who have listened to every episode of this podcast even before it was me when it was Steven those of you who started listening after who've started listening very recently those of you who joined on YouTube who are watching right now I appreciate all of you And I I feel a little bit like Leonardo DiCaprio in Wolf of Wall Street because I'm giving you this speech and it sounds like something bad's about to happen. But I'm telling you right now, I'm not going anywhere. We're still doing it. We're still doing the dang thing every single day for the foreseeable future. There will eventually be a break period where we will have less podcasts per week, but we're still going to have weekly podcasts coming out. Uh, For Locked On Zags, I'm so excited to continue to talk to you all. Uh, I'm excited to get to flex some creative muscles to find some content. There's going to be some phenomenal guests. I have no doubt the guest list that I had this season was incredible. Ken Pomeroy, Sean Farnham, Lucas Harkins, Brenna Green, Kevin Sweeney, J.J. Jackson, so many incredible guests who came on this podcast. Gloria Nevarez, the WCC Commissioner Coach, Shante Leggins from the University of Portland. I can go on and on, and I plan to thank all of those guests in an individual manner uh, now that the season is over. But we got plenty to talk about. We're going to talk about the offseason. We're going to talk about the transfer portal. We're going to talk about what there's so many players on this team who have decisions to make. What is Drew Timmy's going to do? You know, what is Andrew Nempard or Sear Bolton going to do? I expect both those players to not be on Gonzaga's uniform next year, but they can be. They have the eligibility to return. Drew Timmy, very up in the air what he's going to do. Julian Strother, Hunter Salas, Nolan Hickman, probably all coming back. That's my gut feeling at this point, one day after Gonzaga's final game of the season. But there's a lot of time between now and when they have to make a decision on whether they're going to be on this roster next year. We'll be talking a lot about that. We'll be talking a lot about the upcoming NBA draft, which players are in, which players are out, and for the players that are in, where they're going to go, what teams they are best fit for, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to have a lot of those conversations. We're going to talk about Zags in the NBA as their season wraps up. No doubt we'll have some conversation there. Uh, and one of the most exciting things coming up, it's baseball season. The Gonzaga baseball team is having an incredible year. They've been killing it. They're just starting their conference play. We're going to talk a lot about Gonzaga Baseball for the next couple weeks as their season continues. I'm really excited to continue to chat about the Gonzaga Baseball team. They have been a great partner, supportive of the podcast, willing to come on and chat with me. Coach Brandon Harmon was on the pod to start the season. Uh, He's the one who gave me the hat. He's incredible. I'm really excited to get to continue to work with Gonzaga Baseball, talk about them here on the podcast. We're going to have plenty of conversation about them. We're going to have plenty of conversation about the pro Zags, not just the NBA ones, but... You know, the WNBA ones. We'll talk about Courtney Vandersloot as her season gets going. I'm excited to get a chance to to really dig into that a little bit over the offseason. And, of course, we'll talk about the Prozags and the MLB. We'll talk about Marco Gonzalez and his season with the Mariners. Wyatt Mills, also with the Mariners. Brandon Bailey, who was a former guest of the Score Zag Score podcast before I took over here. I will talk about him and his recovery from Tommy John surgery. Lots and lots of good stuff coming your way. I also would love to hear from you. If you have ideas, maybe a, a thought or a question or a list or something that you think maybe could be expanded into a full episode or at least a segment of an episode uh, please 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 let me know many of you do this already and I I sincerely appreciate it I've turned many questions into entire segments on this podcast before I'm happy to do so again now that we have uh, unfortunately a little bit more time less game recaps less game previews uh, for the next few months Uh, but I'm not going anywhere I'm excited to continue to do Locked On Zags. Uh, I do love off-seasons. I think it's fun to kind of do the speculation part of everything and kind of get excited about the future of the program. Right now, we'll we'll, we'll kind of sit with, with the end of the season for, for, the, for the weekend, at least. On Monday, I'm sure we'll get some questions about this team's future for Mailbag Monday. And I'm happy to talk about it then, and I'm happy to continue to talk about it throughout the off-season. Like I said, I will still be here for all of you. That is going to do it for me today. For this week and for the season, unfortunately. Mailbag up coming up next week, though. Same routine there, Mailbag Monday every Monday. So if you got questions, fire them away. Reach out to me on Twitter at ScoreZagScore Score or at Locked On Email me, Andy Patton, 013 at gmail.com. Shoot me those questions. We'll get them out for Mailbag Monday. We'll start doing individual episodes about each player on the roster wrapping up the season. So look for those to start next week as well. All right, and thank you for making Locked On Zags your first listen every day. Now is a great time to make your second listen, the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. With college basketball season wrapping up, give Rafael Barlow and a flurry of guests a listen as they prepare for the NBA draft. Hear thoughts on Chet Holmgren, Paolo Bancaro, and the rest of the NBA's future stars on Locked On NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for listening, and as always, go Zags.